All right, so as you know, uh, you may know, uh, Parker, Chaz, Amy, and I are in ICCM, and uh, one of the assignments was write a sermon on Luke chapter 3. So while you're going there, oh, let me silence my phone. While you're going there, Luke chapter 3, Come on, bro. Uh, they're also encouraging us to do textual preaching, which is not something I've ever done. And that's where you just pick a part of the Bible and you just preach it straight through as opposed to topical. So when I looked at Luke chapter 3, my first thought was, how do you preach a sermon on this? Because it just, when you look at it, it doesn't look like there's a lot of meat on the bone. Um, but what I found digging in is there are a lot of little nuggets in this short little, short little book. So let's go. Luke chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Come on. And the Bible reads, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So what do we have going on here? Um, other than another one of those opportunities in the Bible to test your enunciation and pronunciation, right? All right. What we're actually seeing in Luke 3, this is the final phase of Luke's foundation. He takes the first three chapters and all he's really doing is laying a foundation for the rest of the gospel of Luke. So to really understand what's going on here, we're going to do like a quick review of chapters one and two. And we're not going to dig in there and I'm going to present it to you as a tennis match. All right, because that's that's how I see it. It's a it's a crazy tennis match. Um, who any followers, any fans of tennis? Anybody following right now? All right. So I, I well, I know Becker is not a name anymore. Agassi. What, what's the big name? Nadal still one of the ranks. Roger Federer. Federer. Yeah, oh, okay. All right. So we're we're gonna we're, Djokovic. All right, so how about for tonight, how about for tonight, Dave? Tennis? Yeah, got a lot of love. Come on, bro. I love it. All right, so tonight, though, what we're picturing, Luke. Luke is the phenom. Luke is the, the world's name, right? He's the one that everybody wants to see play. So in this, Luke, work with me in the scenario because it's not perfect, but Luke has gone into the stadium. Thousands of people are seated around ready to watch him play. He's stretched, he's warmed up. And right before he starts his sermon, he points into the crowd and he says, this is for you, right? Who's he talking to? John. No? Or the stadium he's pointing in? What's the name? What's the name of the person? Theophilus, that's right. He points, he points into the crowd at Theophilus and he basically says, this is for you. I have spent a lot of time preparing for this moment and this is for you so that you can know what you've been taught is the truth. This is the gospel of Christ. All right. Now, exactly that. Theophilus is not a person. He's not pointing to an individual in the crowd. Theophilus means friend of God, Amen. friend of God. So Luke is actually written for friends of God. So my brothers, are you a friend of God? Yes, the brother Luke was written for you. Come on, bro. Right? Sitting here tonight, Luke was written for you. So back to the court, right? Luke's there. He's ready. He's to go. And he tosses up the serve. Now, remember, this is the gospel of Jesus, right? And he, yeah, well, I've seen it before. I've played, I've played we. So he throws it up, right? <laughs> and, and it's a burner, a smoker of a serve about the birth of John. The birth of John. Wait a minute. I thought this was going to be about the gospel of Christ. How are we starting with the birth of John? 
Well, I don't know, but we don't have time to worry about that because we're in a match, right? So on the other side, the smoker of a serve is coming across and it's returned by Luke. Now, how does that make sense, right? It can't be Luke served. It's not a perfect scenario, but here's the thing. If you've read, if you've read Luke, if you've read Acts, Luke's a pretty good guy. We're just yeah. going to say he's good enough to play both sides, yeah. both sides <laughs> of the net, right? <clears throat> so you've got this tennis match and it starts out birth of John birth of Christ, right? And here comes the action. So you have um, Zachari- an angel visits Zachariah and Zachariah doubts, pow, right? An angel visits Mary and Mary says, I'm God's servant, pow, right? And then Mary visits Elizabeth and she sings a song, pow. And then John is born and Zachariah sings a song, pow, right? On, pow, you with me on the pows? <laughs> All right. And then Jesus is born and the angels sing a song to the shepherds, pow. And then they take Jesus to, to the temple and Simeon prophesies, pow. And then Anna, who never leaves the temple, prophesies, pow. And then Mary and Joseph take Jesus back to Nazareth to raise him as a boy, pow, wow. right? And here we are in the middle of this action. Yeah. Amen. And right in the middle of the action, here's this pause. You ever been watching a show, something like just right at a really good moment, something goes wrong. Cable cuts out, boop, you got the bars. We interrupt this program for a test of the emergency broadcast system, right? Okay, so we don't feel the 12-year delay that's right here, but right here, born, all these things are happening. They take him back to raise him as a boy, and we've got 12 years. We, we got nothing. We don't know anything. We read it as a line, but what do you think Mary and Joseph felt? What do you think they felt? Here's this 12-year delay for them, right? All right, see, now, for you youngsters, you youngins, you won't know anything about this, but there was a day when there was only three channels that you could watch on TV, right? <laughs> Amen that you don't know about that day, right? <laughs> yeah, you also had to get up and change the channel yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got 6,000 steps in in that day, that was for sure. But here's the thing, is that back then, the, the, there were sponsors who paid for the show to be on that you were watching. So right in those peak moments, they would interrupt to say, oh, and now a word from our sponsor, right? So here's the sponsor break that it came up, ready? This 12 year delay is brought to you by Patience. Do you struggle with anxiety, (laughs) worry, or concern? Do you find it difficult to have peace when the answers, directions, or reasons for delay are uncertain? Fear not, there's great news because the creator of the universe is happy to present Psalms 2714. Yes, yeah, Psalm 2714, taken daily, will remind you to be strong. Take heart and wait on the Lord. But wait, there's more. If you act now, you can also receive Philippians 4, 7. Yes, the peace of God that passes understanding will help guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Prayer lines are open. Act now. Right? You know there's got to be a disclaimer, right? <laughs> Supplies are unlimited. The Word of God can be taken as often as desired. Manufacturer recommends daily without ceasing. Side effects may include love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, self-control, and salvation. So the point being that we don't feel the 12-year gap that they felt, but we have felt gaps. We have felt those delays. We have been in moments in our life where things are just cruising, they're moving right along, and then suddenly we're hit with something, a delay, something we can't understand it, we can't comprehend it, but here comes the delay. So what's the what's the, the lesson in that for us? The lesson is that God has a plan. That 12-year delay... For whatever reason, we don't know what happened in the 12 years, but it wasn't an accident. God didn't slip up. There was a plan. It's just like the delays that we come up with. There's a reason for it. There's a plan in the delay. And we need to remember in those delays that God is preparing us for something great. Yeah. All right. Amen. Now back to the courts. All right. Jesus is 12. All right. The family travels to Jerusalem. Pow. 
They leave the festival and they lose Jesus for three days. Pow. They find him preaching in the temple. Pow. And then Mary says, how could you do this to us? We've been so stressed out. Pow. And Jesus says, don't you know I had to be in my father's house? Pow. Don't you know I had to be about my father's business? Right? So clearly I'm having some fun at Luke's sake here. But this really is how it it feels for me. John, Jesus, John, Jesus. It's like this match that goes back and forth. Now, if I had written this, all this would really be would be proof of my ADD. In other words, why can't you just tell me all about John? Why can't you just tell me all about what's going on here? Why the back and forth? The intention here from Luke is that John is the forerunner. He's the one that goes before, and Jesus is fulfillment, the one who comes after. So it's strategic. This is John. He's coming before. This is Jesus' fulfillment. This is John. He comes before. This is Jesus' fulfillment. And that's why the back and forth. It's not a, it's not a lack of focus or no, you know, some type of mistake in the, uh, the message. It was actually by design. So here we go. We're now caught up. We're in Luke chapter 3. Come on, bro. <clears throat> what do we see in Luke chapter 3? We see... Tiberius, we see uh, Pilate, Herod, Philip, you know, his brother, you know, all these guys, Annas, Caiaphas. What we're seeing is we're seeing characters that are going to come later. But there's a part here where we, we kind of might look at this and say, all these guys are here. John's preaching in the wilderness. What's the point? What's the point of all the detail? Who, 15th year, who cares? All we really need to know is that John is preaching in the wilderness, Don't right? Work. Because if John is preaching in the wilderness, then the Messiah has got to be coming. That's all that really matters, right? Okay, in the the essence of salvation, yes, that's all that really matters. But the truth is, the details do matter. Um, The title of the sermon tonight is, The Devil is in the Details. The Devil is in the Details. So the devil is in the detail. You guys have all heard that expression before, right? It's actually a misappropriation of an older uh, German idiom which says God is in the details. That's the original. God is in the details. So when we look at Luke 3, what do we see? We see location. We see time. We see leadership in the state. We see leadership in the church, right? It's kind of like saying um, in the second year of President Joe Biden, when Governor Ron DeSantis was in Florida and Buddy Dyer was the mayor of Orlando and Chris and Sonia Klopek were the evangelists at Orlando International Christian Church, you, you get an accurate picture, right? Okay. So um, the real question, though, is on the details is, do they matter to you? Do they matter to you? All right. Now, I'm not talking about Luke chapter three. I'm talking life. Point number one, how you living? Point number one, how you living? Are you living a detailed life? Are you detailed at work? Are you detailed about the kingdom um, do you keep a calendar? All right. Do you show up on time? Now, I'm not talking about tonight. Tonight was extenuating circumstances. But if we had locked the door last men's midweek at 730, if we locked the door, does anybody have any idea how many men would have been inside? Anybody want to take a guess? Six. Who said all of them? <laughs> you know, what? I'll jokingly say all the ones that wanted to be there would have been there. Because there were 10 men, 10 men, when we were supposed to start at 730, there were 10 of us in there. 19 people came in late. Now, listen, life happens. Circumstances happen. But when two thirds of the body of the men, the mighty men of God are showing up late, something's wrong. Something's wrong. All right. So do you show up on time? 
when you're sitting here right now, are you taking notes or are you returning messages? What are you doing on your phones? Come on. Right? Yeah, I want to see. No, I'm just joking. All right. Basically, is your yes trustworthy? When you say yes, does it really mean yes? When you say I'm going to be there, do you show up or is there a reason that you didn't go? Do you, right? Can you be counted on? Are you reliable? Are you dependable? Do you live in the details? I want to say it this way. If you were Google Maps, you were Google Maps, and you had to lead somebody to a destination, how would you do it? Would you just be like, you know, like, well, you take that one street that's kind of busy during that one part of the day, and you go down till you get to the store, and then you turn there, and you go down for a little ways till you see that one house and turn again, right? No. Nobody would get anywhere. Nobody would get anywhere but lost. Right. If you're trying to get somebody where it's details, I would love to use the walk through the campus, but uh, that's not going to work so well as my example. But the, the idea would be something like, you know, you would take, um, you're taking, you know, Town Boulevard and you're going to take that off and go east on Main Street for two miles. And on Home Boulevard, you're going to turn right. There's a Wawa gas station on the corner. And then you're going to go down for two miles and then you're going to turn on Lake Drive and there's a blue house with a big oak tree. You're going to get details. Details, details, details. Chris said it earlier, like if I'm given, I want to treat this as if your life depends on me getting you there, right? You're going to give absolute details. So let's look again at Luke 3. Come on, bro. What do we have here? We have this super accurate picture. The 15th year, Pontius Pilate. This is just like saying Biden, DeSantis, Dyer, Chris. It's a super accurate picture, correct? All right, so how you living? Can people see the details of your faith in your life? Do the details show, right, in, in the way that you walk, in the way that you talk, the way you treat people, the way you love? Can people see the details of your faith? How about your quiet time, your prayer life? Are they checklist on your to-do thing? This is, well, I've got my quiet time done for the day. Or are you really digging in? Are you going into the details with God? Are you letting God pour details into your life so that you can live it, right? So it's, God is in the details. You can't get around it. God is in the details. And the truth is for us, we can't teach what we don't know. And we can't lead where we won't go. So we have to know the details, right? How am I going to truly explain to anybody the the depth, the beauty of Jesus Christ. How am I going to explain and show the hope of salvation without details? Right? So we have to go deep. We have to go deep. We have to dig in deep and we have to get into the details. And I'm not saying memorize the 15th year of Caesar Tiberius. I'm not saying that, but you have to have a willingness to have the details in you and to live the details out. Because if not, if not, you're shallow. And if you're shallow, you're going to get lukewarm. And then what's going to happen? God's going to spit you out, right? Or you're going to run the risk of one day standing in judgment and saying, Lord, Lord, and hearing, I never knew you. Come on, bro. So, wow, bro. so brothers, Good. how you living? Good now, this is not also to, this is not also to say what's wrong with you, oh, wretched man. It's not that at all. It's, it's really a call to analyze and say, how am I living? What am I doing in my life? And if there's things that are wrong, especially if they're patterns, life does happen. Things happen. You might be late. This might happen. But if it's a pattern, it's a problem. And we need to dig in and, and, and analyze that. So this is not wretched man that you are. 
Because like Chris said on Sunday, that would be depressing. That would be sad if that's where we ended. The idea is to analyze it and see it and say, yeah, I am a wretched man, but I don't just apologize and keep doing it wrong. I'm going to repent. I'm going to repent. And then I get to get to the point of saying, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? All right. Point number two. Come on, bro. Voice in the wilderness. Awesome. Continuing on in Luke 4. Luke, I'm sorry, Luke 3, verse 4. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. All right. This would be an easy one to just dismiss and say, well, it's Isaiah. This is the prophetic foreshadowing of John the Baptist, right? Um, But I want to kind of take a different tact on this. I want you to picture somebody in your head that you've known in your life. Someone that just by their presence, you just know this person has authority. This person has a commanding presence. This, I mean, someone that you look up, if they say jump, you say yes. You know, whatever it is, you don't question. Can everybody picture somebody they've known in their life that matches that? Okay, so that's just somebody in the natural. Let's take a look now at John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the wild man, right? The wild man in the wilderness? Yep. Okay. Well, what do we know about this wild man? Flip back over to Luke 1 real quick. Come on, bro. Good, bro. Luke 1 and 17. Luke 1 and 17. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Okay, jump up to 15. Second half of 15. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And we're not going to flip over, but if you went to Matthew eleven eleven, you would see Jesus say, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, basically, there has never been anybody born greater than John the Baptist. Okay, so I don't care if he wore camel hair and a leather belt and he ate locusts and honey. I don't care what the man kind of looked like. If you don't know the spirit and power of Elijah, the Holy Spirit and Jesus's personal endorsement, if you don't think that man had a commanding presence, wow. right? All right, so picture, picture this guy out in the wilderness, right? Yeah. All right, so here he is, powerful wilderness in the voice, and he's preaching. And what is he preaching? Let's go back to Luke 3, and we're going to skip down to verse 7. Come on. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that one of the, now I tell you out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is ready. It's at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. And John answered, anyone who has two two shirts should share with the one who has none and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. All right, here we go. This is just kind of a quick summary of some of the stuff John was preaching. We got something for everyone, right? Something for the Jews, something for the tax collectors, something for, for the soldiers. All right, we see a warning in here that's similar to what we're going to hear from Jesus. Produce fruit or get cut down and thrown into the fire. There's no option, right? All right, we're also going to see a warning to not be deceived. 
just because you may have an ancestral connection to Abraham, just because you have an ancestral connection, don't be deceived that that is your salvation. We also see a similar response to Peter's sermon in Acts 2. Brother, what should we do? Right? And here we go. What shall we do? Clearly, what he's preaching is powerful. All right? Uh, in fact, it's so powerful that the people begin to say, is it possible that John is the Messiah? Well, let's take a look at that. Continuing on in 15. Come on. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, to gather up wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Wow. So John set him straight. He's the forerunner, right? So he did what the forerunner should do. He said, you guys are looking at me, and yes, I may be doing some really powerful things, but there's one coming who's even greater than me. Can you imagine? I'm not, I can't even untie his shoes. Now, I want you to think back to that person that you had in your head that you were kind of looking at me like, man, this is this guy. And picture that guy saying to you, I'm nothing. The guy who's coming after me, wait till you see him. Can you imagine? I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of like, I want to see this next guy. Wow. Right? Yeah, yeah, All right. You're right. So let's wrap it up with uh, John the Baptist. Wow. Verse 19. Come on, bro. It's awesome. But when John rebuked Herod to the, uh, but when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Wow. All right. So John the Baptist, he didn't just preach to the commoners. He didn't just preach to some people who were wealthy and affluent. He didn't just preach to people with authority. He got in the king's face. He didn't mix his words up. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He just preached what it was. He didn't pull punches. He preached to the king and he got thrown in jail. Right? So here we are. We've got John the Baptist. Luke 3, 1 through 20. Voice in the wilderness. What do you think? Did he do a good job? Did he qualify? Do you think he qualified as a powerful voice in the wilderness? All right, throw a number out there, just zero to 10. What number would you give him? 20, awesome, I like that. I'd say 10. 10, there you go. All right, here's my question for you. Now keep in mind, I'm a baby. I'm a baby disciple, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm talking to some of my older brothers, my scholarly ones. Was he the last voice crying in the wilderness? Was he the last voice? Was he the last voice that was going to say, prepare the way? Well, Jesus came, right? But he's coming again. It wasn't a one and done. He's coming again. So it would be kind of cool if there's another voice out there saying, hey, prepare the way. Jesus is coming again, right? So who does the Bible say that is? It's us. It's the disciples. We, we are the voice in the wilderness. Right. Look, look at Matthew 20. Well, don't look at Matthew 20, but Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the commission, right? Go, make, baptize, teach, obey. We are the voice in the wilderness. All right. So, brothers, how are we doing? How are we doing? How would we score ourselves zero to ten? All right. If someone was to write a 20 verse, 20 verse summary of your life. Would you match up? 
Would somebody read that and say, this brother was a voice in the wilderness? Right? Now, yes, it's true that we weren't born with angelic, you know, proclamations about how great we were going to be. We weren't born with the spirit of Elijah and the power of Elijah. But you know what? Uh, we were reborn in the waters of baptism and filled with the Holy Spirit. So we, in fact, have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So why are we making excuses, right? The bigger thing is we don't need to just understand the power and the authority that's wow. in us because of the Holy Spirit. We have to understand the command. Amen. We've been commanded. We are the voice in the wilderness. We need to be the voice in the wilderness. That's right. Sure. So the point number two challenge is be the voice Amen. in the wilderness. Amen. All right, let's go on to that's Luke. Awesome, bro. Luke 3, verse 21. When all the people... When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Okay, so here we go. John was saying, The one more powerful than I is coming. And here comes this dude, no trumpets, no fanfare, just marks right up and says with everybody else, Yo, I'm ready to be baptized. Right? Now, if you read Matthew's account, John kind of protests, understandably so. I should, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, this is the way that it has to be. So he baptized him, right? And as he's coming up out of the waters, the Holy Spirit, we know the Spirit, right? Look at, look at Jesus talking to Nicodemus. You don't know where it's coming. You don't know where it's going. You don't know anything about it other than you can feel its effects, right? But here it is. He's coming up out of the water, and the physical form of the Holy Spirit comes down on him like a dove. All right? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine last Sunday baptism, somebody coming up and out of the water, we're outside the church, and here comes the Holy Spirit descending in physical form, and then from out of the woods, that voice saying, this is my son, we would be geeking out. We would be falling out all over the place, right? Right. So basically what God was saying in this moment is that I've been, this is God saying, I've been telling you this was going to come. I've been telling you for a long time. You've been waiting for hundreds of years. And right now, right here in this moment, this day, it's happening. For the first century church or for that moment right there, it just got real. Wow. Right? So let's take a look, continuing on here. Come on, bro. We're at point number three. Come on. Point number three is 23 and me. Oh, okay. 23 and me. I'm going to kind of bounce around in here because, man, there's a mouthful of words. Come on. All right. Let me get set up. Here we go. Come on. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janiah, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahun, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, the son of Mattathias, the son of Semin, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, Jump down a little bit more. The son of Melia, the son of Mena, the son of Mattatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Sam, Salmon, the son of Nashan, the son of Amenadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, son of Abraham, 
the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sereg, the son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Now, let's talk about, for me, first thing, what's the elephant in the room? He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Is there confusion on this? So it was thought. What do we mean? Are we not sure? The so it was thought, if it back, what it really means more along the lines in, in the Hebrew is going to be, this is Joseph saying, this is not my birth son, but I adopt him. I claim him as my own. I'm going to raise him as my own. And by Jewish law, that then brings Jesus into the family and gives him, it's not like he's now in the family going forward. He has access to the full lineage. He can claim the full line which is necessary because Jesus was supposed to be born of the house of David. And here it is. We get to see it go back to the house of David. Now, the really cool thing for me is that Luke didn't just stop there. He takes it all the way back to Adam. He takes it back to the beginning. So if you'll picture this with me, picture God in the beginning. He's creating, right? Jesus is with him, right? Because we know in John 1, it says, um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things are made, and without him, nothing has been made that has been made. Come on. So Jesus was in the beginning, all right? So he's our beginning, and he's our ending. He's the, the bookends of, of all mankind, right? But in the middle of all that, he inserts himself into the line. So he's not just the bookends of life and creation. He is connected. He, he binds everything together from beginning to end he binds everything together including humanity Come on. now i said earlier that god doesn't do anything without a plan right mm. even that 12-year delay Come on, bro. so before the beginning even in the beginning there's always been a plan you know jesus, uh, god wasn't just kind of hanging out with uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and uh, wisdom. And if you look at Proverbs, I think it's eight. Wisdom says, yeah, I was with God when he laid the foundations. He wasn't just hanging out with him and had one of those YouTube moments of like, hey, y'all watch this, right? <laughs> he didn't just say, I wonder what would happen if we did this and say, let there be light. And now it's just a big, who knows what's gonna happen. Everything has been planned from the beginning, right? Wow. God works be, through his plan. God works through the known and the unknown, all right? When you look at this lineage, who was Peleg? Who was Arnie? Who was Admin, mm. right? There are 75, 75 names listed in that account. And if you look at those, at least 80% of them, you won't know anything about other than they were written right there. Take those names out of that, take those verses out, and you don't know that name. Yep. Never heard it once, right? Wow. Yet they were used. Yet they were used. Right? So these people who were not known were used by God. Come on, bro. So who are we to say, who am I? Who am I, God, that you would use me? Now, am I the only one that struggles with who am I? It sounds like, I, does anybody else struggle with who am I? All right. <laughs> well, if you are struggling like that, like I do sometimes, you're, you're not alone. You struggle in the company of Moses and Gideon and Isaiah, who also basically said, 
Who am I, God? Right? So why do we know those names and not the others? Why do we know those names and not the others? Is it possible because all of them at one point in time said, who am I, God? But these three happen to say, God, who am I? I don't know who I am, but here I am. God, send me. And the others just left it at the question. All right. So here's my question for you. Come on. If those people had known, if somebody had said to them from the beginning, you are going to be in the line of the Messiah, do you think they would have stepped their game up? Do you think they might have done a little bit more? If somebody would have said, hey, you are a part, one day your name is going to be recorded and you are going to be part of the lineage of the Messiah, do you think they would have stepped it up? If Arnie, if Arnie knew that he was going to be part and his name was going to be listed, would he have stepped his game up? All right. So how about you and me? How about us? Because we're adopted into the same family. Right? I can't remember, what was it, Chris? Ephesians? Ephesians 5, I think it was. Yep, the sonship. Well, it's, it's definitely in oh, Ephesians oh, somewhere. Ephesians 1. Adopted into the sonship. Right? But either way, Jesus says, you're mine. Yeah. We're his. We are adopted into this family, which means yeah. in that same tradition, we don't just start now. We also go backward. Yeah. We have that same access. We have that same lineage. We have that same responsibility. I mean, just really let that settle in. Let that ruminate. Wow. Who are you? Who are we? That's right. Now, if that lineage was going to be extended out one day and somebody was going to write a book and continue that out, yeah. would people know your name? Yeah. Or is it going to sound as familiar as Esli? Right? When, when, people, when people read Chaz, Chamba, DJ, Alfonso, Justin, Parker, Bob... Odane, Devin, ah. <laughs> right? Giovanni, Diego, Marcos, Earl. Are they going to know your name or are they going to be like, man, that's just, that sounds funny. That sounds like all these other people. That's just a funny sounding name. Or Nimrod, right. Or is it possible that they would say, I know that name. I know that name. That's the guy who led the mission team that baptized 100 souls. That's the guy who, who did the reform on the USC campus and turned the, the ministry life around, wow. right? That's the guy who used his talents and his gifts and his abilities to create a new ministry within the kingdom, right? That's the guy who graduated from ICCM and went somewhere and led a church, right? That's the guy who was bloody and battered and beat up. That was the guy who was the voice in the wilderness. What are they going to say about us, brothers? Why are we backing down? Why are we shrinking back? Why are we being lazy? Remember the 23 and me? Yeah, what is that? 23 and me. Anybody familiar with 23 and me? Swab your cheek, mail it in. They tell you all about your DNA, right? If you go to the website, it actually says your personal health experience begins with a meaningful information about DNA. All right, so I sent in a swab and found out that I'm 30% Dutch, 45% Viking, and 25% redneck. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I think it's the number of chromosomes. Right. Wow. So I, I didn't do it, but the, the, the redneck part would be pretty funny, right? So I, I'm, not dis, I'm not disputing what they're saying about the significance of DNA in the medical aspects. I'm not disputing that at all. But I will tell you that your spiritual health, your spiritual health begins with a meaningful information from the creator of your DNA. 
Are you getting meaningful information from the creator of your DNA? See, because through our DNA, through our adoption, through our birthright, we are the sons of God. We are the mighty men of God. We have been adopted into the family of families. You know, we ask, who are we to do great things? But really, the truth is, who are we not to? Who are we not to? If we understand who we are, we are a royal priesthood. Mm. You know, when we look around the kingdom, when we look around this room, this is our family. This is who we are. And the question is, are we living? Are we living like a royal priesthood? Are we living like we know it? Are we living like we believe it? Mm. You know, we can't get comfortable with the idea of the connection alone because the connection alone, just like John said, the connection alone doesn't get it done. We have to be connected into that lineage the same way that Jesus was in Hebrews 5, 7 and 9. In the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with fervent cries and tears to the one who was able to save him. And he was heard because of his, because of his reverent submission, yeah. right? And through his many sufferings, he learned, son though he was, through his many sufferings, he learned obedience. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for those who obey him. Are we living in submission? Are we living in reverence? And just as surely as God is in the details, I'll tell you, you don't have to answer that question. Because if anybody looks at your life, not what you put on here, but if anybody looks at your life, the answer is in the details of your life. It doesn't require words to answer that question. So brothers, we need to examine ourselves. We need to ask, how are we living? Are we the voice in the wilderness? And the 23 and me, are we living like the royal priesthood? And my challenge for all of us is to really To really be honest and ask ourselves, if somebody looked at my life, will they see God? Will they see Jesus in my details? And to, God, to God be the glory. Amen. Okay. Amen.